0: If you can simply make life easier and better for customers, you will create and retain many, many customers.
1: Welcome to the Innovation Engine Podcast. Since 2014, we've been bringing you conversations with some of the world's leading authorities on innovation. Topics we cover include technology, culture, leadership, and more. Coming to you from the Three Pillar Global Studio in Fairfax, Virginia, I'm your host, Will Sherlin. On this episode of the Innovation Engine, we'll be talking about how and why building a powerful customer experience is imperative for any company to find success today. Among the topics we'll cover are why short-term profit-seeking can negatively impact customer experience, the Do More framework for building positive customer experiences, and how the on demand economy is changing customer experience as we know it. Here with us today to talk about all that and more is Blake Morgan, a customer experience futurist, keynote speaker, and the author of the recently released book, More is More How the Best Companies Go Farther and Work Harder to Create Knock Your Socks Off Customer Experiences. Among the outlets Blake contributes to are Forbes, the Harvard Business Review, and the American Marketing Association. In addition to her writing and speaking, she's the host of the Modern Customer Podcast and a weekly customer experience video series on YouTube. Welcome to the podcast, Blake. Hey, well,
0: Great to be here.
1: Absolutely. Great to have you on. So let me start things off today asking about the definition of customer experience. There's a section in your book, More is More, where you delve into how some of the experts over time have defined it. What's your definition of CX?
0: I am very lucky that I'm studying this now. I've been in the contact center space for over 10 years, but only focusing on customer experience for the last three or four years. And it's an exciting time to be in the space because largely we agree on the definition from all the research I've done, many CMOs and CEOs that I've interviewed. I have my own show, as you know, Will, on the Modern Customer Podcast. The agreed definition is that customer experience is the perception the customer has of the brand. But that perception is shaped by much more than we might assume. Not just a simple transaction. It is not simply a customer swiping their credit card. It is definitely not customer service. That's a common misconception. For example, take a bakery. The experience of the bakery is not simply shaped by the person selling you your scone, it's shaped by much more than that. For example, who sources the ingredients to bake those scones? What kind of oven does the baker have to bake the scones? What is the process? From a logistical perspective of getting the scones to the front of the store, what is the store's growth strategy? Do they have a food truck as well? um and how do all these pieces fit together what's the growth strategy does the bakery know the customer so it's not simply customer service it is not simply a one transaction it's much deeper and broader it involves everyone at the company and i always say that that everyone working at the company has an impact on the customer experience and we can talk more about how priorities and metrics can impact customer experience those priorities and metrics inside the company uh, but I'd like to just start there and just just keep that in mind, my example of the bakery. I like that. I like bakeries because I like to bake and I like to eat.
1: <laughs> so, so you used to hear that everyone is in sales. Now it may be a, a common refrain that everyone is in customer experience.
0: Yeah, hearing you say it like that, I really like that. Well, I might have to take that from you, but I'll give you credit, I promise. <laughs> but you're right because... From the the HR people that hire your, your staff, to the finance officers, to folks in sales and marketing, and of course, customer service. Everyone does impact the customer in some way, but we're very focused on our own little island that it makes it very difficult. And the more islands we have inside the company and the less we collaborate around the customer, the more the customer is going to feel that. So if you have a very siloed internal experience for employees, the customer experience will also be just very siloed uh, and difficult, to be frank.
1: Yeah. And and what are some of the invisible toxins that can stand in the way of companies providing customer experiences That keep people coming back over and over.
0: I think the way we incentivize our groups and our people, when we think about priorities, we have to look at the different important roles in the company. For example, the board often cares about shareholder value, stock price, and financial performance. And of course, the CEO cares about what the board cares about. He cares about quarterly performance, uh, stock price, etc. And you see that everyone within the company, in the at the end of the day, cares about what their boss cares about because that's how they do well in their job. So it's generally working back to cash. So did I save or make the company money? And unfortunately, that can kill the customer experience because when we focus on money, We repel money, right? We have to focus on delivering value. And what can save a company from um, getting into this toxic trap is to put performance metrics in place that consider the customer rather than simply, did you save or make the company money?
1: And you've mentioned priorities and, and metrics a lot. And you just mentioned performance metrics. What would be kind of typical performance metrics that a company might measure?
0: Well, in customer service, it's usually seen as a cost center. So did customer service, did we save money this year on self-service tools? We put in communities, did that save money? You know, the cost of a call can be $20 to $50 in a contact center. So maybe we're using more self-service technology, as I mentioned. Maybe we've implemented a chat bot. Did it save us money? And then, of course, sales are... Pretty to the point, did we make money? And then marketing, how much did marketing assist uh, sales? So generally, it's it's traditional customer service. Are we saving the company money? Um, even HR, perhaps implementing more automated tools, more AI, hiring less people. We're hiring people that know how to direct those tools. So again, at the end of the day, it's usually about cash and that's an unfortunate approach. One thing that's interesting, I, on my own podcast show, was sitting down with Charlene Lee in her office in San Francisco. She's the author of many books, including Open Leadership, which I think she's most famous for. And and I, and we were talking about founder CEOs. And we see that over and over, the companies that are led by founder CEOs, so the person that started the company is still running the company. These are the companies that take the the boldest investments in customer experience. They don't look as much at quarterly profits, and they understand that customer experience is a long-term game. So we see people, Steve Jobs did this. Um, Jeff Bezos, another founder CEO, um, Elon Musk, uh, Mark Zuckerberg—all of these companies that are cited as the most innovative, especially when it comes to customer experience—they are often founder CEOs.
1: Okay, and you have a framework that you write about in the book that you recommend companies follow to provide exceptional customer experience, and that framework is "Do More." Can you share what that acronym stands for?
0: Yeah, thank you for asking me about this. I think my favorite reaction from people reading my book is practitioners who have said, you know what, Blake, I I did this exercise with my team. I took your acronym, Do More, and I applied it to my own company, and here's what I came up with. That is so fun to hear as the author. So let me share what Do More means, and and we can go from there. So Do More is an acronym. The idea of my book, More is More. It's not about spending more money. It's about being smarter and being more thoughtful, but it is also a book about hard work. And essentially, in a world where products and services are largely the same, you do have to do something more. You have to work harder than that bakery. Remember the bakery we talked about? Then the bakery next to you to create and retain more customers. So do more starts with designing something special. So Not only does your experience have to be great across the board, but the product or service has to be pretty damn special or good. It has to be good to start with. You can't sell a crappy product and expect good results. Second in do more is about employee experience. It's about offering a strong employee experience. Earlier in the podcast, we talked about how what happens internally at the company has a huge impact on what we see externally so if you treat your employees well if you provide clean spaces for them to work you give them what they need to do their job they're going to be happier I think the best example of that is the contact center because often the contact center is treated the worst within the company. The CEO often never steps foot in there and the employees are managed pretty tight on a tight leash. However, if you treat your people well, they're going to have a smile in their voice. I'm I'm talking to you on this microphone. So when I smile, maybe you can hear it in my voice if I'm happy. The customer is going to feel that uh, that happiness from the employee and they're gonna have a better experience. Have you ever been in a store will where you really felt like the person working there didn't wanna deal with you. It was like, Ugh, I don't want to I don't want to have to help you right now. It's their worst feeling, right? It is. Right. So so it's actually really simple. And in fact, if you can just get your culture right and your employees are happy at work and they are in a good mood when they're working with customers, you are so ahead of anyone else because often we get terrible experiences when we go into for say a retail store or contact a call center. So the third piece of do more has to do with technology, modernizing with technology. Technology isn't everything but it sure as hell helps. So great companies today that offer compelling customer experiences, um, such as Airbnb, they are leveraging the technology that customers enjoy using in their personal lives. For example, through Airbnb, their app is absolutely beautiful, seamless, easy to use. And customers can text with, on Airbnb, you have a host. So you can literally text back and forth with your host and it makes for a very easy customer experience the fourth piece of do more has to essentially do with attitude it's obsessing over the customer and that's actually the number one principle over at amazon they have their 16 principles that's number one customer obsession so we see that A lot of these founder CEOs give themselves uh, the space and the room to do more for customers. And they have this attitude that is just so contagious across the whole company. When the CEO is the evangelist for the customer, they talk about value to the customer. Everybody else follows suit. If your CEO walks around talking only about quarterly profits, that's a problem. And everyone else is simply going to be focused on money and and sales. And we talked about earlier what happens when we only focus on cash. Nothing good. The fifth piece of do more has to do with responsibility and accountability. You want people within your company who do the right thing when the boss isn't looking. And it does help to hire great people. Additionally, put a governance structure in place with checks and balances. So across the board, every group is held to certain standards that are tied to customer experience. And last, our sixth piece of do more embrace disruption and innovation. Here's the thing. Markets are moving faster than at any point in history, so we can't expect to only focus 5% on uh, growth. And, and this is called transformational growth. In fact, I was just in Melbourne Last week, and I I used a framework in my speech from McKinsey, and this is called the Growth Horizons Framework, and it's been used for many, many years. And essentially, in the framework, McKinsey advises companies to spend 10% on transformational growth and essentially 90% on running the business. However, today, we need to be spending 90% on transformational growth. So these are opportunities that could be totally outside of our industry. For example, Amazon that continues to move into industries without permission. Transformational growth, disruption, innovation. Most of our time today has to be focused on this rather than simply running the business. The business at this point should be running itself.
1: And one of the sections in your book is about how the on-demand economy is changing customer experience. So you mentioned Airbnb in the last answer. Beyond well-known examples of companies like Uber and Airbnb, what other on-demand companies do you think are doing things well when it comes to customer experience?
0: Well, there's a, so many on-demand companies today. A lot of them uh, have disappeared. Honestly, it, even you know, writing a book, you, you wonder is this is this company in the sharing economy going to be here tomorrow? But there are a lot that have we've seen their longevity. And one of them is TaskRabbit. TaskRabbit has done a great job of offering compelling value. And TaskRabbit is basically a company that allows you to get help with whatever it is that you need. For example, I hired someone on TaskRabbit to take a bunch of stuff when we moved uh, into a new house to Goodwill. I uh, had a guy help me build my baby's crib. I don't enjoy that type of work, so <laughs> I'm not good at it. So some, so I had a TaskRabbit... Um, Build the crib. I had a lady from TaskRabbit. I was pregnant when we moved. This was more than a year ago. And she helped me pack up our apartment and then unpack it into the house. And, you know, it's the sharing economy is wonderful because it's really gotten people to trust each other again. And it's all within this system. In fact, I even use another company called Urbansitter.com to book nannies. And they have each nanny has a video about herself, and then reviews. I can even see who in my network has hired that nanny. So it's built this whole trust system and this whole um, infrastructure. So I don't have to worry: is this person uh, is this person trustworthy? Because I can see it all. It's like Yelp for everything. And I think because the sharing economy caters to a certain type of person, and is Uh, These companies are built often by millennials. The technology that they offer for customers is as avant-garde as those leaders are using in their personal lives. They often offer in-app messaging. Payments are seamless and easy like Uber. Uh, So again, it has to do with who is building these companies. The customers of these companies are flocking to these services because they just make things so easy for customers. And that's the whole premise of my book. If you can simply make life easier and better for customers, you will create and retain many, many customers.
1: Yeah, and let me ask, you mentioned, you've mentioned technology a few times, and increasingly customers are interacting with brands online, via social media, and through other forms of digital communication. What are some ways you recommend companies manage customer experience in an environment where that medium or where those mediums uh, are often digital?
0: The number one important thing that a company masters is listening, and that's not easy to do, especially across millions of customers. Do we even know if these people are customers or not? So essentially, the game has changed today, where it's a game about listening. The great thing about machine learning and artificial intelligence, things like chatbots, is they have the promise to scale listening and responding in a way that we've never had before. Because let's face it, we're having trouble with social media. It's just so hard to keep track of it all. Uh, And it's not possible to respond to every single person that engages with us. Um, And so I think that AI and machine learning can take the engagement that we're already doing and, and take it to the next level.
1: And one recent example of a company failing spectacularly when it comes to customer experience was United with the situation where they forcibly removed a passenger from a plane and then severely bungled the PR fallout afterwards. So I know everything is easier in hindsight, but what would you have done if you were advising United in that period of time?
0: You know, it's funny because I recently was on the phone with their director of communications and Mark Krolik, who is a VP of marketing. He used to be in those United welcome videos. I'm a United frequent flyer. And what he said is that they really felt terrible about it and just doing everything they can to create a, a product that their employees can feel proud of. I think what went wrong with that, uh, when you look into the story, it was a third-party security company that pulled this guy off the plane. Of course, it doesn't matter. It's on a United flight. Everyone says, United, look what you did. So they messed up with how they handled this situation. It is tough when employees are making such difficult calls on the spot. You need to have a strong culture, and, and you need your your staff to be able to call someone and get someone on the phone. Because, for example, Will, as a customer, if you have a problem with a flight and you go up to the front desk and someone is on the phone already, they are on the phone with corporate trying to help another customer. And so the same slowness or difficulty that customers have in getting in touch with a contact center agent, the airline staff, their own employees have that same issue when they're dealing face-to-face with customers, trying to get customers on flights. In retrospect, with United, they had a major communication snafu here. The CEO should have taken accountability right away. I'm so, this is so embarrassing. I'm so sorry. Instead, he got defensive. That is the worst thing that you can do when the world is looking at you. Apologize, take accountability, and immediately make changes to do better.
1: Yeah, I, I love the story in the book about the founding of Netflix, and it was actually one that I had, had never heard before. So do you mind sharing with listeners how Blockbuster hastened its demise over a measly $40 late fee for Apollo 13?
0: <laughs> you know, some of the best ideas in history come from some person who just I really don't like how things are done. I'm going to just throw out the rules and make it better. So Reed Hastings, yes, he, the founder of Netflix, he was driving to Blockbuster and he, he was upset because he, he didn't want to have to tell his wife that in the car with him was Apollo 13 and he was going to have to pay a $40 late fee because he, he forgot to return Apollo 13. And that's a great movie, by the way, if you haven't seen it. So he returns the movie later that day, he goes to the gym and he thinks about the gym and he thinks to himself, you know, with a gym, it's an unlimited uh, membership model where you go either three times a day or you can go not at all and you're paying the same fee. He thought to himself, well, why can't movies and TV be like that? Actually, it was only movies at the time. And so that launched Netflix. And yes, eventually, Blockbuster met its demise. And there's a famous um, quote from a shareholder letter back in uh, around the 2000 where they felt that the, the threat from new external technologies and companies was overstated. That's what Blockbuster felt. And uh, so you see, when 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 smart, clever people simply look around and think, "Gosh, why can't this be better?" Good things happen. And that's what Jeff Bezos does pretty much every day. He takes something, some process or experience that customers absolutely hate, and he simply makes it better. And uh, not not a lot of excuses there. Here's a, here's a great example from a new company called Lemonade. They're an insurance company. And with insurance, I think most people feel like it's a necessary evil that they're going to purchase insurance. They'll probably still have to pay a ton of money and premiums and and things like that. And they won't get much out of the insurance provider, um, but they need it so it's a necessary evil. And this company, Lemonade, two guys started it who weren't from the insurance industry. And they looked at the claim process, filing a claim, and and even signing up for insurance. And they saw how backwards it was. It's very slow. It's difficult. A lot of paperwork, a lot of people touching these claims who work inside the company. And they said, you know what? It doesn't have to be this way. And they've created this, I think it's like you can sign up for runner's uh, insurance in six seconds. And it, when you look at the the demo of how Lemonade works, it's all through um, the phone. And you never even have to talk to a person. You definitely don't have to send anything in snail mail. And it's quite easy and seamless. And they use AI and machine learning to power this six-second process of signing up for insurance. Not only that, they'll cancel your old insurance policy. And if there's leftover claim money, they donate it to a charity of the customer's choice. So all of these things are totally alien to the insurance industry. So again, we've got these disruptors that come in and just say, you know what? The insurance, the insurance industry is crap. I'm gonna create something new. I don't care how it's always been done. And here's this easy experience. And that's what we need more of today.
1: Yeah, and one thing you stress the importance of for companies looking to embrace disruption is actually getting out there and talking to their customers. Why is that so vital in this day and age?
0: I mentioned earlier that markets are moving faster than at any point in history. The customers of the taxi industry, when Uber came around, didn't feel sorry for taxis. No, they were excited that here's this new experience it's a clean car i don't even have to handle money through this whole process Uh, and they didn't care that the taxi industry had been around for years they flocked to this new dark horse of uber and so that's essentially what customers want today just experiences that make their lives easier and better and these are the companies that will win and thrive in the future
1: Okay. And and let me ask one more question. You have some practical tips in the book for how companies can hire customer-focused teams. What are some of the attributes or qualities people out there might want to hire for when they're building a customer-focused team?
0: Companies always say they want to hire self-starters, but then they manage employees so closely on such a tight leash that you don't want a self-starter. You want some a yes man. But really today we need employees that know what to do when the boss isn't looking, that look for opportunities to improve products or services, and that collaborate across departments well, internal influencers that can help um, bring different groups together, people who are connectors, people that are clever. These are the uh, traits of... A fantastic employee. You don't simply want people that are yes, man. Uh, you want people that will improve your products and services and do so in a way that other people can get on board with inside the company.
1: Okay, nice. Uh, well, Blake, thanks so much for coming on and talking about the book. Again, it's called More is More. And for anyone who's listening and wants to get their hands on it, amazon.com obviously anywhere else you would recommend that they go to uh, to get their copy of the book
0: amazon.com uh, that that works for me
1: <laughs> okay nice and be sure to check out the modern the modern customer podcast uh, you've had some some fantastic guests on the CEO I, I believe of Ace hardware the modern customer podcast is is I imagine like the innovation engine anywhere a good podcast can be found so the Apple podcast app. SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and the likes?
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Will.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. The Innovation Engine Podcast is brought to you by 3Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. Head to www.3pillarglobal.com to learn more about our services. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and Google Play to ensure that you never miss a new episode, and head to 3pillarglobal.com slash podcast to receive new updates about our show and read the full show notes and transcript of each episode. Don't forget, we also have an app for our 3Pillar podcasts. Just search for the Innovation Engine on the App Store.